I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. We're, we're in a really interesting season in the church right now because we're technically outside of Easter. Uh, Easter, Pentecost used to have an octave and it used to go a little bit longer, but now Pentecost ends on Pentecost Day. And, um, and so we're, we're outside officially of that 50-day Easter celebration. Uh, and yet the church still has some very important things for us to celebrate. So just kind of looking at this, the, the direction that things are moving, uh, we have Christ resurrecting on Easter Sunday. He's walking with the apostles and appears to them over the course of 40 days. Then on Pentecost, uh, or rather on, uh, on uh, the 40th day, he ascends into heaven on Ascension uh, Thursday. And then 10 days later on Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit descends. And it used to be that we had a, a full octave of Pentecost, but no longer. Uh, but the church is not done with celebration. Uh, so immediately, the, the Sunday after Pentecost, we celebrate uh, the Holy Trinity. We celebrate the fact that that God has now been revealed to us through Jesus Christ uh, and through the coming of the Spirit as one God in three persons, one essence, one, one being, and yet somehow three persons. And the church spends a lot of time uh, unpacking that and looking at that. Uh, and so we we have this brought back to us immediately after we celebrate the fact that the Spirit has now come to dwell among us. Then after Pentecost, after Holy Trinity, then we move to, um, to the Feast of Corpus Christi, where we celebrate Christ's ongoing presence with us. Not only did he not leave us as orphans in that he gave us the Holy Spirit— uh, to dwell within us and to lead us into all truth and to convict us of sin and righteousness and all of the other things that the Holy Spirit does. Uh, but now we also celebrate the fact that Christ has also left his presence with us uh, through the institution of the Eucharist and and the continuation of that uh, that Paschal sacrifice given to us through the Eucharist each and every week, that Christ is present to us. Uh, that he's not far removed from us, but he's right here. And then, uh, and then next week, uh, though it doesn't occur on a Sunday, uh, we're going to celebrate the Feast of the Sacred Heart, uh, that Christ's, uh, Christ's Sacred Heart is with us and, and deeply still in love with us and, and pouring out his love on us. And then, of course, that has uh, ramifications because the love of Christ, as Paul tells us, compels us to these good works. And so we have this, this continuation of inertia that we're carried out through Easter, and that inertia carries us on into ordinary time, uh, but no ordinary, ordinary time, right? There's, there's so much here still to unpack as we are uh, still glowing from the joy of Easter. And I look at this, and I look at this narration, this idea that after Easter, after Pentecost, we are still trying to unpack and understand all of the ways that God loves us and that God is with us. He's with us in his spirit. He's with us in the Eucharist, present to us, uh, and he's with us in his deep love for us, and he's with us 
as Trinity. Uh, and so I encourage you, don't don't just assume that we're back in ordinary time and all is, all is perfectly normal and you don't have to pay specific attention. Go ahead and spend some time really sitting with the readings from masses, uh, specifically on these big solemnities, and sit with the fact that, that God loves you. We, we've heard it, right? You, you, it, we've heard it so much that it's almost... Um, almost kind of perfunctory. We almost expect, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, my, my Sunday school teacher told me, my, my RE teacher told me, Jesus loves me. Uh, there's a little song, a little ditty that we sing about it and teach our kids. And yet, I think that when we, when we do that, and, and it's good and it's right and it's important that we teach our kids that God loves them. But you have a different understanding of love as an adult than you did as a child. You have a different relationship with your spouse than you had with your first childhood crush. Uh, you understand love differently. You, you understand love differently as a parent than you did as a spouse, merely a spouse. And, and there's nothing merely about being a spouse. I, it, it's one of the, the highest callings uh, that there is. And yet, uh, you understand as a parent, you understand love differently than you understood it when you were giving love to your spouse. And in the same way, I think that if we only rely on the perfunctory nature of that statement, that, that God loves us and that God is with us, and, and we hold on to that understanding that we had when we were children and we don't allow that understanding to mature in the same way that our understanding of, of love has grown uh, in terms of the way that we love someone, uh, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. We ought to be able to just sit with this idea. God loves you. God loves you in a way that your childhood understanding of those words that you heard in RE really don't do it justice. And so, you know, we have these these thoughts from time to time. Well, you know, what, is, what does God's love exactly look like? Because I'm not experiencing, maybe I'm not experiencing what I would expect from a loving relationship. Well, if that's the case, if you still are holding on to that childhood understanding of love, I want to encourage you specifically to go through the, the Sunday's readings for Pentecost and for, uh, for the Holy Trinity and for this week for um, Corpus Christi and then for the Sacred Heart of Jesus, for these main readings. Go over and sit with these readings and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what it means that God loves me. Today, we're going to sit a little bit with this idea of a changing understanding of love as we talk about marriage and family life with Dr. Sarah Bartel. She's got a brand new book, A Catechism for Family Life, that we're going to unpack in the first segment. And we're going to continue that conversation talking about a new initiative called canafeast.com. Uh, don't go anywhere. There is so much more to this conversation still to come. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. There is so much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, T.L. 
We've been talking the last couple of weeks about how to pass the faith on to our children uh, and how to give them really a, a leg up. And this is also true as they enter into marriage because, you know, they're still our kids at that point in time. And we need to be able to pass the faith on to them. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how to help couples in their very early stages of marriage. But we're also, before we get there, we're going to talk about this new book, uh, A Catechism for Family Life. We're talking with the author today, uh, Dr. Sarah Bartell. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's so great to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah. So what I love about this book, this Catechism for Family Life, is um, there's really nothing new in here, and that's the genius of it. Uh, a friend of mine says only, I love the fact that as, as a Catholic, we can go back and, and basically plagiarize all of these early sources, uh, giving them of course, proper credit. Uh, and, and it's just called being faithful, right? <laughs> it's, this is just called orthodoxy. Uh, and so what you've done here is just a fantastic work, Dr. Bartell, and it's um, gathering all of the disparate sources, the the writings of the church surrounding marriage and family life, and splitting them out by topic. So if you have a question of uh, how do I how do I handle it when uh, I have a spouse who's being abusive, the church talks about issues like that, and rather than trying to go and uh, find what specific document said what. Uh, Dr. Bartell has gathered these all together and put them by topic so that you can go through very easily on a question and answer format and see what the church has said uh, across the years. Uh, and this book is now available on uh, Catholic University of America Press. Uh, talk a little bit about the the impetus for this book and what first got you interested in, uh, one, in working with family life and two, in putting these sources together for other people. Okay, absolutely. Well, um, when I finished my graduate studies, I had really focused on the domestic church and on marriage and family as I studied moral theology. And uh, really, after leaving um, academia and grad school and moving out here to the Northwest, where I am now in the Seattle area, really up my sleeves and got involved in marriage prep, marriage enrichment, marriage ministry, NFP promotion, um, giving talks about the domestic church. So I was really excited a couple years later when I got a call from CUA Press asking if I'd like to be involved in this book. And I would be a co-editor with my dearly beloved mentor from Catholic U, John Grabowski. Dr. John Grabowski is a um, moral theologian, and he was my dissertation director. And he himself is a great specialist in marriage and family life. In fact, he has um, attended the pontifical, well, he's a, he and his wife, Claire, are members of the Pontifical Council for the Family, and John Grabowski was an auditor for the Synod on the Family, mm. so he has a lot of hands-on experience up at that level as well, but what the press was looking for was um, a woman to, you know, partner up with John Grabowski to do this book in a kind of a unique format. They had recently published a catechism for business, which was sort of a hybrid type of book. It wasn't strictly an academic book and it wasn't a popular level book. You know, CUA Press is an academic press. So they were really stretching a bit to um, 
to publish the Catechism for Business, and it was wildly popular because business Catholic business people could pick up the book, find their question, whether it's marketing or you know comp- compensating their employees or whatever aspect of business it was, and see what does the church have to say about this. Um, so they said, let's just apply that same concept to marriage, family life, and sexuality, where we arrange by topic, you know, um, and after you know, create these questions, and after each question. Mm-hmm. excerpt from doc, magisterial documents and statements by popes and dicasteries. So I was just thrilled to be able to, to jump in on that. So that's sort of the genesis there. And it's, it's a lovely book. It's, it's put together chronologically, but not chronologically when things were released, but chronologically to the relationship of, of a couple. So it starts off starting with, hey, how do I even decide and, and discern uh, whether I'm supposed to get married and who I'm supposed to marry? And then it goes through um, get the process of getting married, the questions that surround that, uh, the process of uh, w- children and dealing with questions of infertility, dealing with questions of, of raising your children, uh, going all the way through to, okay, my, my children are adults and they're making decisions that I'm not necessarily okay with. How do I interact with them uh, and stay true to my faith and also stay true to the fact that uh, I, these are my children whom I love? And you've just done a really fantastic job, uh, the two of you putting this together. Uh, so here's a question that I have as I've read through this. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of times I set out and I have an idea and I have a goal of something that I want to do, a project I want to put together. And then along the way, uh, as I complete what, I, what it was I expected, I come across things that I did not expect. Uh, maybe learn something new or maybe the the project took a twist that I didn't expect. Uh, Tell me, what was that for you in this project? Well, I had been pretty familiar, actually most familiar with the writings of John Paul II on marriage and family life. That's what I dug into for my dissertation on uh, the vocation and mission of the child in the domestic church with um, St. Therese's spirituality. And I, I drew heavily from John Paul II. And I know that Pope Francis has spoken a lot about the family as well. And we drew from Amoris Laetitia and, um, you know, it was really, I enjoyed seeing how the continuity between the two popes, as well as how Pope Francis sort of, um, sort of broadened his gaze from specifically looking at the nuclear family to, he really addresses a lot more the role of the extended family of grandparents, wider social networks. So, I really appreciated that. But what I think the biggest surprise was for me was looking at statements by Pope Pius XI in Casti Canubi, for example, from the 1920s and finding out how very relevant still um, and how prophetic those popes were who wrote earlier in the last century. I think that was my big, you know, surprise yeah. if I researched this. We're talking today with Dr. Sarah Bartel about her new book, Catechism for Family Life. So now you you are not only an academic who's digging into this work, but you're also, we'll say, a practical theologian in this regard because you yourself are a mother of uh, of several children and one on the way. So talk a little bit about how how this information, uh, because a lot of times you said it, this is a book between academics and and the popular books. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is this is not meant to be academic material. The popes are not writing something for the philosophers. They're writing for the church. 
So talk a little bit about how this works itself out in your day-to-day living. Absolutely. Well, just the process of editing and writing for this, um, surrounded by my four children at the time. And that's, thank you. Yes, I have another on the way. Blessed be God. Um, that was really fun because I would, you know, have on my screen all these um, profound encyclicals and statements by, um, you know, the Pontifical Council for the Family and such. And then I'd have, you know, a, one or other child bopping along <laughs> by my desk and wanting to ask this or that question. And it, it really just keeps me grounded in but like what you said, what this is for, this is truth that's meant to impact our, our daily life, our real relationships with our spouse, with our children, um, with Jesus and the church. And I think as I read through and was, you know, working with these texts, um, it just really re-inspired me, reinvigorated my commitment to things like family prayer, to keeping the Lord's day holy and really observing the Sabbath in a more sacred way. Um, and really preparing my heart for the time when my children grow and leave and, um, you know, how I can continue to form and love them and accept them, um, no matter what their path may be. You know, honestly, too, uh, addressing a lot of the questions about, one of the biggest questions adult children, I mean, parents of adult children have is, do I go to the wedding if my child who is raised Catholic is getting married outside the church? So that was, you know, definitely one of the questions that we put in here and addressed. Or do I go to the wedding if my adult child is entering into a, um, partnership with a same-sex partner, right? It's like just really kind of heartbreaking questions. And I was researching these. It just made me want to pray really hard yeah. for my kids now and um, and do all we can in our daily life um, around the kitchen table, um, you know, as we're driving around the minivan places to lovingly and joyfully and in an attractive way, pass on these Catholic values and aspects of our Catholic faith in a way that hopefully will stick. Yeah. You know, the, the, we look at the teachings of the church and, and there is such a, uh, an ideal, uh, the, because the church needs to propose God's plan for us. And so that, that is a, a high standard and a high ideal. And when the church talks about marriage and the church talks about family, she gives us this richness and this beauty, but sometimes it does seem, uh, so unattainable. And so some people would say, oh, well, we need to recognize the reality and not reach for those high things. And, and that's never, that's never the, the case because the church is always going to call us to that point of holiness. And yet at the same time, uh, the church lovingly accompanies us through those difficult times. It's not, it's not an either or. There is a pastoral response uh, to those difficulties of life, uh, you know, even through the process of annulment, even through uh, the questions that you brought up, what what happens when uh, a spouse is being abusive? What happens when my children have strayed from the church? How do I how do I engage with them? And, and the church, in proposing the great ideals, doesn't ignore the fact that life is difficult and messy. And in the midst of that, she accompanies us and gives us courage and strength. And then also through the sacraments gives us the graces that we need to to endure those difficulties. Absolutely. I think Pope Francis really speaks to that, you know, with his language of accompaniment, like you said, and also talking about the church as not 
a hotel for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And he really sees the family as uh, taking part in this mission of being a field hospital. You know, we're out there in the trenches um, as people are getting wounded to our right and left. And there's just a special charism that God gives the family to be able to, um, to be lovingly present amidst all that woundedness. And, you know, it can be a woundedness within the heart of our own family as well. And again, the church just reminds us the Lord is there. He's not a stranger to this. That's why he took on human flesh and came down to live among us. So that is really um, encouraging to know, you know, even if things don't look perfect, you can still call on the Lord's grace. He's still there and just wants to raise us up and and put us on that donkey and bring us to the <laughs> to the end, just like the Good Samaritan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a really great point. We're talking today with Dr. Sarah Bartel about her new book from Catholic University of America Press, The Catechism for Family Life. But speaking of accompaniment, you have a new project coming up we're going to talk about just after the break called Cana Feast. It's canafeast.com, and it's all about accompanying new couples, not so much as they prepare for marriage, right after the wedding for those years immediately following when they need so much support, so much accompaniment. We're going to talk about that, break it out and explain it and and unpack it right after this. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. Come and join that ongoing conversation. We'll find a link also to this catechism for family life from Catholic university of America press well worth your time, something you ought to have in your reference library. There's much more to this conversation coming up right after this break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls as we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, TL. Uh, We're talking today with Dr. Sarah Bartel. Just some fantastic work here. She's out of the the Archdiocese of Seattle, lives under the the shadow of Mount Rainier. Uh, She's got this beautiful new book, Catechism for Family Life, available right now on Catholic University of America Press. And she wants to give away a free chapter to everyone. This is not a drawing. This is you can have the first chapter of this book. Uh, it's really easy to do. What you're going to do is go over to canafeast.com, which we're going to talk about here in this segment, uh, and sign up for the um, for the info about Cana Feast. In that subject line, just let her know in that email that you'd like a copy of this Family Life Catechism. Let her know that you heard it here on Outside the Walls, and she will send you free of charge to everyone, uh, a, a, the first chapter of this beautiful Catechism for Family Life uh, available right now on Catholic University Press. Dr. Bartel, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's so great to be here with you. So you have worked for some time in marriage preparation. Of course, when I was in the Diocese of Tulsa, I did a lot of that. We uh, prepared about 400 couples for marriage in the time we were there. And there's the church has been getting better over the last say 20 well let's say 10 years about really investing in the uh the proximate preparation for marriage that time uh, after someone gets engaged um hopefully about 6 months to a year process where we walk through not only 
here's the ceremony, which they used to do. Okay, let's plan for the ceremony, but it's, no, let's plan for the wedding. Let's talk about things that matter. Let's dig into these conversations that maybe you would not have had as a couple uh, if you weren't faced with them in marriage prep. And so this pre-Cana process uh, is something that's what it's called because of the marriage at Cana, and we're trying to mm -hmm. get ahead of that. This pre-Cana process is such that we are uh, saying that your marriage is important and we want to give you the best tools to succeed. Now, the remote preparation still needs to be worked on as we, um, there's a beautiful catechumenate model that's been proposed, uh, as we get people earlier before they have chosen their spouse, because by that point in time, love is blind. And, uh, and there's not a lot you can do. So, uh, there's that portion of it, but you, you're taking a different tack. And I love this, uh, this after the wedding, of course, uh, after the, the ceremony, there is the feast, right? This, uh, the, the wedding feast that we need to help couples manage. Uh, you know, I, I look at not that there's ever a golden age, but I look at how our society has changed. And one of the things that I notice is because we are such a transitory society, people move all the time. Uh, I saw something recently that by the time they're 30, millennials will have moved 17 times. Wow. Uh, and so the community that gets built up of, hey, I grew up in this parish. Everybody here knows me. I've gotten married in this parish and I've got a whole bunch of eyes looking out for me and for my well-being, even if sometimes they're a little bit busybody. Um, that's gone. Right. And so now there's no one to accompany them. There's no one to call and ask when they have their first fight or when they are disagreeing on how to fold the towels or, or, uh, when they come up against some situation that they don't know how to deal with themselves. And this is where canafeast.com comes in. Talk to us a little bit about the vision for this and, and what it looks like going forward. Well, yeah, thank you. So, and my husband and I have done marriage enrichment retreats as well, especially using a format um, out of Philadelphia called Living in Love. And we were really um, profoundly moved by attending and then presenting on those retreats. And that's where the theology of the body that I knew from grad school intellectually, we both knew, really moved from the head to the heart to the hands to our daily life. And we, we learned how to be self-gift to each other in a joyful, ongoing, energizing way in our daily life. And so with canafeast.com, we chose that image of the feast because we really want to give that to the couples that we're serving through this. We want to give them that sense of abundant joy when Jesus changes the water of our ordinary human love into the wine of salvation, the wine of joy um, of the kingdom, the, the wedding feast of the lamb in heaven, that, that joy that never ends. So we really want to support couples with all those different questions that they have. And we were really truly blessed during our grad school years. We lived just outside of Washington, D.C. in a community um, called Hyattsville, Maryland. We had a great parish there. And there were so many couples and families that lived just within a few blocks around us who were living faithful, holy, happy family lives. And we saw how they interacted with their kids, how they interacted with each other. They, you know, had us over for uh, evening prayer potlucks weekly. And I had book clubs with the moms and walks and whatnot. And I could really have this privilege. We both did, Nathan and I both, of like peeking into their daily lives and being formed by them. 
And then after that, when we moved back to the West Coast, we moved four times in four years. We were (laughs) on our way to chasing those statistics you just mentioned of the millennial couples um, moving so much. Um, And we really missed that community life, but we gained a lot as well as you always do. And, you know, whenever God takes you, but in this Cana Feast experience, we really want to give couples a community forum online where families can share their resources and what they've tried at different stages, what helped them get through different challenges, and also share um, from ourselves and from different experts that we'll bring on a month to month for those who sign up to, you know, participate in the full Cana Feast experience, um, which will be like a monthly membership experience, like Netflix for your marriage. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so one month we'll talk about relationship skills, just those basic human um skills that have been researched that show, you know, what works well for a happy human level, um, marriage relationship. We'll share the best of the secular research on that. And then we know that grace builds on nature. So then following month, we'll look at the sacramentality of your marriage and how do we dive deep into theology and use that theology and spirituality to really draw God's grace to inundate your marriage and bring it to a a whole new level of sacredness and transcendence. We'll talk about couple prayer and theology of the body and spirituality. And then we'll talk about that one flesh union that is specific to marriage and how to make that sacred, again, using theology of the body, but also we'll talk about fertility. I know you and your wife are just um, real (laughs) wonderful experts and resources in this. Um, So, you know, and a lot of couples, even couples who are committed to church teaching already, who've already had that conversion to seeing, okay, you know, I, I understand artificial contraception puts a barrier between me and my spouse or poisons my wife's body or whatnot. And we want to use NFP there's a lot of different methods of NFP right. to choose from. How, how do you navigate that maze and find out which is going to be the best for your specific relationship or your specific mm-hmm. needs? And there are new things on the, the market now too, um, temp drop and apps like Fem. So we'll really, you know, give people an overview of this whole world of NFP, or maybe they've been married several years. We had friends married seven, eight years struggling with infertility. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the pain of that and what resources can you, you know, connect couples with. Um, we, ha- we just have, I would say, uh, half a dozen or so friends who had long struggles with infertility and then blessedly were able to conceive through natural methods. Um, so we'll talk about mm-hmm. that as well. And then another aspect of sexuality is the pornography epidemic, which really is damaging to marriages. So we'll be addressing that as well in this uh, sexuality section. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Dr. Sarah Bartell about her new endeavor, canafeast.com. Now, the the target, if I if I remember correctly, is for those first five years of marriage. But there, oh, there are some 15, people actually. Oh, good. I was about to say fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say there are some people who have been married longer than five that are thinking, oh, this this sounds really good. Uh, how how would someone get involved in this and and become a part of that community? Well, we invite everyone to sign up for emails by going to canafeast.com. We're offering a free date guide. So you get 10 quick, easy date ideas for married couples um, when you plug in your email there. And then again, like we mentioned earlier, if you want um, the freebie 
chapter of a catechism for family life, after you get the welcome email that says, welcome to Cane of Peace, and my husband and I introduce ourselves, and we invite those who've just signed up to share a little bit about themselves by hitting reply. You can hit reply and say, you know, I'd love that chapter of Catechism for Family Life, and I will personally email that to you. Mm -hmm. But that's the first step, is just joining us for the journey by signing up for emails. And then we're preparing to launch the membership July 12th, which is the Feast of Saints Louis and Zelie Martin, a happy, holy, married couple, St. Therese's parents. Mm -hmm. So that that's what's coming up ahead. Okay, so here you are, you're, you're offering the, the community, which is so desperately needed. Um, uh, talk a little bit about your own family and the way that you have found th this richness and this strength through uh, maybe a specific practice that you, a faith practice that you do with your spouse and then another one that you do with your children. Well, okay, that's kind of the same answer that's going to <laughs> answer both those questions and something we're just really passionate about sharing, and that's prayer. You know, you just can't do better than calling on the grace of God out loud with words together with the people that he has put you on this earth to work out your salvation with. So couple prayer is, I would say, just been one of the biggest sources of transformation and increased energy and joy and renewal on an ongoing basis in the relationship Nathan and I have. Um, and we've layered on different methods of praying together one-on-one -on -one throughout the years. You know, we've grown in this area as we've um, learned more ways. And, you know, Timothy, it's something that you don't really see other couples doing because it's private, right? right like right. how often do you get to peer, pull open the curtains and peek into someone else's um, private life and see them praying together one-on-one -on -one as a couple? So I think that's a real underutilized <laughs> resource, if you will, and something that is easy to teach. And we're just really eager to do that with videos and, and writing and whatnot. You know, pr models. prayer is such a, a broad topic. Uh, and it's it's a daunting one. People say, "Okay, well, what, gosh, is it just that that we take turns praying, or do we? Is it praying a rosary together? Which, of course, sometimes it is. Uh, is is it extemporaneous? And I'm really uncomfortable with knowing how to do that. Uh, what would you suggest as maybe a starting place, as the kind of planting the seed of couple prayer to get someone started today? Yeah, whatever is going to be the quickest, easiest win to just get started. So if it's just holding hands and praying in our father together, because you both know the words to our father. And even if your spouse isn't Catholic, but they're Christian of some other denomination, chances are they know the our father. Holding hands is important because research shows us when we are physically connected, it lowers our stress hormones, it increases our sense of bonding and affection. So that's what I would say is if you, if you have, are doing nothing else, just start with that. Hold hands and pray in our Father at the beginning of the day. And then if you're feeling brave, add on a few words of thanksgiving to God for the gift of your spouse and ask him to bless your husband or wife through their day. Just that little bit will really make a difference, I would say. Yeah. But there are lots of different ways to pray together and we will, you know, guide couples sort of through, you know, all the different options they've got and give them ideas to try. Yeah. We've been talking today with Dr. Sarah Bartell about her new book, A Catechism for Family Life, available on Catholic University Press and her new program called CanaFeast.com. There's much more to my conversation with Dr. Bartell, available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. 
Go to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Support the Show link in the top right-hand corner of the page, and you'll find out how to get access to all of the extra segments, including this week's continued conversation with Dr. Bartell. More to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Today, we've been talking with Dr. Sarah Bartell. She's got a lot going on. Uh, We started off talking about her new book, A Catechism for Family Life, available right now on Catholic University Press. Uh, And then we, we talked about a new program that she has that will be launched very soon called Cana Feast. You can find that over at canafeast.com. And once it launches, it's going to be this fantastic resource for some practical steps that you can do to enrich your marriage uh, and and also have a community of support for others who are going through the same things. Uh, it's, it's specifically targeted at those who are in their first 15 years of marriage. I encourage you to go take a look. You can go right now to canafeast.com and sign up for their updates so that you can be aware of things as they come up. Uh, you can be in the loop as that gets launched. And then also as you receive that that welcome email after you sign up and say, hey, I want to know more about Cana Feast, they'll send an email that says, yes, we want to tell you more. If you'll respond to that email, just write back to her and say, hey, I'd also like, I heard, I heard you on the radio, and I also would like the first chapter of the new Catechism for Family Life. And she's going to send you the first chapter for free via email. Uh, all you have to do is sign up for that Cana Feast email and then let her know that you're interested. So if you missed any part of this show or you want to share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. But there's more to my conversation with Dr. Bartell available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. we got a great community of supporters who love the work that we do and want to see it continue. And in gratitude, uh, we give them lots of extra content. For as little as $5 a month, you can join that community and get access to all the extra content, not just the stuff that's coming up, but everything that we've ever done. We'd love to have you be a part of that community. So while you're there at OutsideTheWalls.com, up in the top right-hand corner, you'll see a link that says Support the Show Patreon. Click that, look through it, follow the instructions, and decide what tier you want to support the show at uh, based on what rewards you want to receive. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. And today, uh, as we've been talking about marriage, as we've been talking about um, really coming to grow in maturity and to understand the love of God, uh, as we've talked about the the importance of family life, the domestic church, I wanted to read today out of Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. Lord, you have probed me. You know me. You know when I sit and stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. You sift through my travels and my rest. With all my ways, you are familiar. Even before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all. Behind and before, you encircle me and rest your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, far too lofty for me to reach. Where can I go from your spirit? From your presence, where can I flee? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I lie down in Sheol, you are there. 
If I take the wings of dawn and dwell beyond the sea, even there your hand guides me. Your right hand holds me fast. If I say, surely darkness shall hide me, and night shall be my light, darkness is not dark for you, and the night shines as the day. Darkness and light are but one. You formed my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you, because I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My very self you know. My bones are not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, fashioned in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me unformed. In your book all are written down. My days were shaped before one came to be. How precious to me are your designs, O God! How vast the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sands. When I complete them, still you are with me. When you would destroy the wicked, O God, the bloodthirsty, depart from me. Your foes who conspire a plot against you are exalted in vain. Do I not hate, Lord, those who hate you? Those who rise against you do I not loathe? With fierce hatred I hate them. Enemies I count as my own. Probe me, God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there is a wicked path in me, and lead me along an ancient path. That reading comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. And I read that today because I really want to focus on the fact that um, God knows us intimately and loves us intimately. And and the way that we uh, can love our family and love our spouse should be, in its purest form, a reflection of the way that God knows us and loves us. In the epistle of 1 John, uh, he writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. For us to really be able to love well, we have to know and reflect the love of God, because he is the one who, it's not just that God is loving, God is love. And so if we're to love well and to love fully in our relationships, the way that we do that best is by understanding and reflecting the love of God. Our reading from Church History Today comes from a treatise on Christian perfection by St. Gregory of Nyssa. The life of the Christian has three distinguishing aspects, deeds, words, and thought. Thought comes first, then words, since our words express openly the interior conclusions of the mind. Finally, after thoughts and words, come action. For our deeds carry out what the mind has conceived. So when one of these results in our acting or speaking or thinking, we must make sure that all our thoughts, words, and deeds are controlled by the divine ideal, the revelation of Christ. For then our thoughts, words, and deeds will not fall short of the nobility of their implications. What then must we do, we who have been found worthy of the name of Christ? Each of us must examine his thoughts, words, and deeds to see whether they are directed toward Christ or are turned away from him. 
This examination is carried out in various ways. Our deeds or our thoughts or our words are not in harmony with Christ if they issue from passion. They bear the mark of the enemy who smears the pearl of the heart with slime of passion, dimming and even destroying the luster of the precious stone. On the other hand, if they are free from and untainted by every passionate inclination, they are directed toward Christ, the author and source of peace. He is like a pure, untainted stream. If you draw from him the thoughts in your mind and the inclinations of your heart, you will show a likeness to Christ, your source and origin. As the gleaming water in a jar resembles the flowing water from which it was obtained. For the purity of Christ and the purity that is manifest in our hearts are identical. Christ's purity, however, is the fountainhead. Ours has its source in him and flows out of him. Our life is stamped with the beauty of his thought. The inner and the outer man are harmonized in a kind of music. The mind of Christ is the controlling influence that inspires us to moderation and goodness in our behavior. As I see it, Christian perfection consists in this. Sharing the titles which express the meaning of Christ's name, we bring out this meaning in our minds, our prayers, and in our way of life. That reading comes from a treatise on Christian perfection by St. Gregory of Nyssa. We often talk uh, on this show about the implications of our belief, but here he brings up something that, that's important. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, I think, last week, this idea of lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief, is the law of life, right? Uh, here he says it in a different way. We start with the thoughts of our uh, of our mind and of our heart. Those thoughts, when they are dwelled on, become words, and we begin to express them. And then the words that we express are turned into the actions that come out of us. This is why it's important for us to to say the creed. It's important for us to profess and believe the teachings of the church because those things that we profess and we believe will make their way into our action. It's why it's great for us right now to be meditating on Christ's continued presence with us through Pentecost with the coming of the Spirit, through Holy Trinity Sunday as we see the 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 nature of God, through Corpus Christi, where we meditate on the fact that Christ's presence is with us in the Eucharist, because as we sit as a people meditating on the, on the concept and the reality that God is with us, and we think those thoughts, then we begin to have our speech moderated by that which we believe, and then the things that we speak find their way into our action. And thinking on and meditating on the love of God finds its way into our action as we deal with our, our spouse, as we interact with our children, as we interact with those who are in our circle of influence. This is not just fruitless to meditate on, on God and to think on his love because that meditation turns into the way we express ourselves and into the way we direct our actions and direct our life. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you for joining us. 
Today's show is brought to you by Anil Thomas and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link in the top right-hand corner and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.